You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, yeah, our roster looks great on paper. Whoop the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up! Get your sorry ass up! Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? Is I'm better right than now. you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. Dang, dang! Time to go to work! Hey, that's sick! I ain't never seen you before, huh? Back up, Tanner Coach, you need some help. We gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Let's go! Let's go! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter. You can find me, your host, Matthew Burning at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, though, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons and Dr. Roto from SiriusXM Radio, Mr. Bob Lung, the award-winning fantasy football consistency guide and the creator of the Midwest Fantasy Expo, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others, and you can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We at the Roundtable are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the most advanced stats in football, baseball, basketball, and college football. College football stats are extremely hard to find. For just $15 a year, you can look at all of these. I'm telling you guys, it is well worth it. If you like to dive into the analytical side of sports and or for I use it for prospects, college football prospects specifically, it is amazing. It goes down to the minutest of details in this stuff. And again, it's just $15 a year. If you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you will get 10% off of that, which is a steal of a deal, if I do say so myself, and probably the best deal in the industry. So definitely check them out, especially if you want to get a jump on the upcoming draft class. It'll be well worth your time and money. All right, for today's episode, we've got Mr. Matthew Fox back with us again. You can find him at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. And we got Tony Dyer back with us. We've got the crew back together. You can find him at CommissionerMR on Twitter. We've got a bunch of different topics we're going to go over today. We've got a couple new coaching uh, hires that have happened since me, uh, we were last on the podcast, me, Matt, and Dennis, on Monday. We're going to go over our playoff challenge that Mr. Matthew Fox is running. And then, of course, we are going to preview all of the uh, playoff games. 
And if uh, if you guys have any interest in the college uh, football national championship game, which is obviously between the LSU football tigers and the Clemson football tigers, uh, I will preview that at the end of the episode as well. So with all that being said, let's jump Tony and Matt on here and let's talk some football. It's Thursday, and we've got the usual crew back again here. Tony is with us, as is Mr. Matthew Fox. How you guys doing today? How has your week been going for you so far? Going pretty good here in Colorado. Yeah, everything's good in Indianapolis. I'm excited about the playoffs. I mean, that's where we're at. Yeah, we got what looks like to be four good games ahead of us. As I mentioned earlier, uh, or in, really in the intro here for the podcast, we're going to be breaking down... Our playoff challenge, the four of us have got going here with Dennis. We're going to jump in and talk about all four of the playoff games. Just kind of our quick thoughts on them. Uh, you know, As we mentioned earlier, not a whole lot of fantasy stuff to go along with these games. So just our quick thoughts on it, maybe possibly pick the games. Uh, and then we are also going to talk about the breaking news that's happened since me, Matt, and Dennis last recorded on Monday with two new head coaching hires. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent... And horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Start with the one I guess is really kind of more interesting to me. Uh, Tony and Matt, you guys were pointing out an interesting little uh, thing I guess he said in his press conference. I did not get a chance to watch it. Uh, But the Carolina Panthers and David Tepper bringing in Matt Rule of Baylor. I thought this was a great hire. Uh, If you follow me on Twitter, uh, I I was talking about how I think him, uh, him coming into that offense with CMC, DJ Moore, and Curtis Samuel is going to be incredible for those three players alone. I think... Really, it's going to depend on what they end up doing at the quarterback position. I, I thought it was a little interesting that they gave him, I believe it was seven years, and he could earn up to, I believe, $70 million with incentives. However, it does make a little bit of sense to me, him coming from being a my, minority owner in Pittsburgh. Uh, they have had, we've actually had more Popes in four than Pittsburgh has had in head coaches, which is three uh, since they've been in there. And, and then the management of the Roonies and everything the past, I don't even remember how long it's been now, but it, it's ridiculous how long they hold on to their head coach. So I think David Tepper is trying to bring that in here to Carolina and bring some stability. Say, hey, look, you've got seven years. Let's see what happens. Not just fire him within a year. Like we've seen kind of be the trend here lately or within a couple years in most NFL franchises. So what are your guys' thoughts on Matt Rule uh, coming from Baylor and coming into the Carolina Panthers? I'm going to I'm gonna jump in really quickly because originally I'd said, hey, guys, count me out on this one because I haven't been paying enough attention. But – you you set me up to be able to at least be able to involve. So first of all, with the contract situation, that's where I went away in it and, and, and with the press conference. The, the contract situation is blown completely out of the water right now. Right. What they've done is they've raised the bar where rookie head coaches, this that's what this is, is a rookie head coach. They've been paid in the past like, like five to seven million. And there's some stuff under the table and there's some stuff with other companies owned by the owner of the company. You know what I mean? There's there's yeah. under, other money involved that doesn't get disclosed. But as far as contract goes, like five to seven million a year is pretty average for an entry-level head coach position. This blows that right out of the water. And I don't know whether it's worth it or not. That's something that I want you guys to discuss because you pay a lot more attention to the college ranks than I do. But the the fact remains that this brings entry-level head coaching contracts to a new level. 
Yeah, so, Matt, do you have a take on that? Because I have an idea yeah. of why I think it got to be what it was. I wouldn't say the, – the bigger thing to me is not the money because they've talked about uh, having to be at approximately $10 million a year to pull some of these big college head coaches because that's about what they're making uh, in in their college programs. And you are right that the, the total value of the deal would be up to $70 million. Um, they're paying – they also had to pay like a $6 million buyout uh, to yes. Baylor to, yeah, to Baylor. get him free. I think the bigger thing to me is the seven years because a standard new head coach contract length has been more four or five years. That is a pretty long commitment uh, to somebody. You know, people make a lot of jokes about the Raiders and their 10 year deal with Gruden uh, because now we're, what, two years into that. And it's like, man, we still have eight years left. Is he actually going to do anything? Um, so that was kind of interesting. I think the bigger, probably more alarming thing they picked up and they talked on PTI about this a lot yesterday. It wasn't at that at the press conference. I guess David Tepper in an interview to team media that went on their site basically said he sees Matt Rule as the next Chuck Knoll who is going to build a dynasty that will last 30 to 40 years. Chuck Knoll obviously was the architect of the Steelers in the 70s, yeah. won four Super Bowls, largely credited with creating the system and infrastructure that's carried them through to today. That is a ton of pressure to put on a guy who has never been a head coach in the NFL. His only NFL coaching experience was one year as an offensive line assistant coach for the New York Giants, not a team in 2012, not a team noted for their great offensive line. He, what he did at Baylor this year is fairly impressive and he has worked to build that program, but he's only been at Baylor for three years and his cumulative record is 19 and 20 and 13 and 14 in the Big 12 conference, which we would not say is the best conference in college football. So I think it's an interesting hire. I hope he can do some interesting things, but that's a very long commitment and a very high bar to set for somebody who's coming in who doesn't really even know what they're going to be doing at quarterback. And, and that's my, that, that was my other, my only other thought that I had. What was the coach? Say the name again. I'm sorry. That he Chuck compared, Noll. Yeah, Chuck Noll. Can we just start with one Super Bowl? Like, hey, w this coach <laughs> is going to lead us to a Super Bowl with Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore and whatever quarterback we choose we're going to go forward with. I mean, can we I start mean, Ron with Rivera was a very good quarter coach, very well respected. He never won a Super Bowl. He got yeah. Carolina to one. I and mean, that's it's hard saying, to yeah. get to a Super Bowl, let alone win a Super Bowl. And you're talking about this guy's going to build a program in the NFL that's going to last as a dynasty for 30 or 40 years. I mean, I think that's Tony and Mike yesterday were just laughing on PTI, but it's, if I was Matt Rule, I'd be like, I mean, thanks for the confidence, but whoa, come on. All right, so a couple things from, from my point of view on it. I think the reason he got that seven-year deal was due to the fact that I don't think Tepper wanted him to leave and go to the Giants because he was scheduled to go and interview with the Giants. 
the the team we're going to talk about next, obviously, in the head coach they hired. They hired him pretty quickly after they found that they were not getting Matt Rule. And I believe, actually, uh, John Mara came out today and said they weren't going to give him seven years. We know that there's the reports all over the place. Uh, when uh, when Tepper offered Matt Rule yeah. this deal, he called the Giants and said, hey, look, this is what they're offering me. What are you going to offer? And they said, not that. And so he took the Panthers' job. So I do think some of the money and why it's kind of a little bit overblown and everything was to make sure – one of those things, you know, like uh, Jerry – or they all said about Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy and, and kind of the uh, – if you know who you want, then just go get them. And, and there's really no price on who you want, I guess, if, if that's who you really want. The one thing I'll say about Matt Rule at, at Baylor and, and why I think – while I wouldn't have said what Tepper said, I do think that Matt Rule can build a dynasty in Carolina is, one, he did it at Temple within a college program that is not very well known, and he built them into a winning program. Two, with Baylor, yes, his overall record was not impressive – uh, and I know that you guys don't don't watch or pay as close attention to college football as I do, but you may remember uh, uh, SMU and how they got the death penalty a long time ago. Did you guys remember kind of that a long time ago yeah. when that happened? Baylor pretty much got the same thing a couple years ago. Uh, they had that big uh, scandal on their campus where apparently uh, some football players had been raping women, and they the women had come forward and told the head coach, and I can't remember what his name is, and I, I hate that I don't because it's, it's, it's I should. It's a big deal. I want to say it's Art Bryles, but I could be wrong, uh, so I shouldn't say that. That sounds right. Okay. I, just, I don't want to disparage somebody if I'm not right, so I, I will look that up as I am talking, but uh, he – I'm doing it. Okay. So that is that is what caused this. Uh, yeah, he was Baylor coach until okay, yes. 2015. It literally tanked Baylor. They they took all kinds of scholarships away and everything. So when Matt Rule came in there, he came in almost in the same guise of what SMU had back in the day when they got the death penalty. Now, it wasn't quite as bad as what SMU got sanctions-wise, but it was still pretty bad. And Matt Rule has now turned this team into a team that was in a very prestigious bowl game this year and one win. All they had to do was beat Oklahoma one time, and they were likely in the playoffs this year. So that, to me, does speak to how good of a head coach he is, at least in college, and, and the way that he recruits and builds. Now, obviously, I think we can all agree there's a difference between college and NFL. I'm not trying to say that just because he did okay. it in college, he can do it in the NFL. But I do think that speaks somewhat more to his credibility, and I think that's probably what Tepper was trying to to go toward more than than the way I think it came out, and, and especially comparing him to a, to an all-time great like Chuck Knoll. But I think that's what, kind of what he was trying to say, is that they believe in the way that he can possibly build and recruit because of the way he recruited at Baylor, which is also not – I mean, I live here in Texas, and if you play football here in Texas, Baylor is not even on your radar of a college you want to go to. I mean, okay, it's, but can the con to this to me would be some of the great things and virtues you're extolling about him and what he was able to do in a situation with Baylor. Yes, you could have said about Bill O'Brien, who had more of an NFL resume, who went to Penn State after the Paterno scandal, helped turn that program around and right. used that to get vaulted to Houston. And while he's been a fine coach, and he has built an okay team that has been a reasonable playoff contender the last few years. You know, we're going to talk about the Texans in a minute. I mean, to me, it's I hope Matt Rule does a nice job and has a chance to make the playoffs, but when you start out and the guy hasn't 
hasn't had a mini camp and you're comparing him to one of the greatest coaches of all time, you're pretty well oh, setting yeah. up someone to fail. I, I agree with you on that. I said it, it, he should not have compared him to Chuck Noll. I agree with you on that. I, I just think that he was trying to mean it in a way, like you said, he was trying to compliment him. He just kind of complimented him the wrong yeah, way, yeah. would I think be the fair way to put it. I, I don't – the difference, Yeah, I want to intervene right there. Go ahead, I don't go ahead. think that he was – I don't think that he intentionally set an expectation. I think that he was overzealous in yeah. excitement. I think that's the guy he wanted, and I think for the right reasons, with, without knowing enough. And I'll admit, I don't follow college football well enough to know what we're getting. I'm going to have to learn an awful lot about this coach, and I'm going to have to learn it fast. I really believe that the, the intent of that message was to show the excitement. And, and yeah, he probably put his foot in his mouth. Yeah. But, I mean, but yeah, I mean, there's no reason why not to be excited, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, and so what I was going to say, the one thing I would say in a difference for Penn State and Baylor is, and again, I would actually say they probably had pretty close to the same sanctions. The difference with that is what Matt Rule did at Baylor is even more impressive than what happened at Penn State because Penn State, while Bill O'Brien made them a good team, they were never once in contention for the playoffs. They were not that good in the Big Ten. He get, turned them around somewhat and gave them some good years, but what, uh, my goodness, Coach Franklin is doing there is more impressive than what Bill O'Brien ever did at Penn State. And he was able, Penn State, regardless of the the controversy and everything that happened there with Joe Paterno and all of the uh, the allegations with, uh, my goodness, I can't remember his name either. It's just, I cannot think today. Uh, but Penn State is still a prestigious school and still a highly regarded school uh, if you are a, a college prospect. Obviously, that first year, you probably were not going there because you knew you weren't going to be in a bowl game. But after that, you still had the... Uh, um, the illust- the ability to play for Penn State, which is a very illustrious college, that is not Baylor. Baylor is not looked upon like that. Baylor is not, I would say, in the top thirty of colleges of that. Like I said, I live here in Texas. Baylor is nothing here, and and they're they're located within two hours of where I live, and nobody cares about Baylor. It's still all about UT. Here, if you play in if you play high school football in Texas, you either want to get out of state. Or you want to go to UT. You have no thought about going to Baylor unless they're like the only option. And that's my point. He does not get these five-star recruits. But what he was able to do coaching-wise and building with a bunch of good talent and making a team, I think is kind of what Tepper was was trying to allude to. But I do agree with what you said, Matt. And, and the way he to, compared him was, was not the right way to do it. He should not have compared him to, to an all-time great. Yeah. Two things. I think the name you were looking for for Penn State is Jerry Sandusky. Yes, that was yes. And two, Bill O'Brien was fifteen and nine at Penn State, had a winning record both seasons, was ten and six in the Big Ten, had a winning record both seasons. Yes, correct. But okay, again, because I because you can't just look at that though, and that's my point. As someone who pays very close attention to college football, when that happened with Joe Paterno. Joe Paterno, because he was the coach at the time before that happened, had recruited one. He had a a huge recruiting class is the way I guess to put it for college football people who who pay attention to that. He had a bunch of five-star athletes in there. Nobody transferred out. I mean, he still had – I mean, you go back to – that was an Allen Robinson at school there. Like when Bill O'Brien walked in, he still walked into a program with a ton of talent. They were still able to get five-star athletes. 
You don't have that at Baylor. I can I can guarantee you I can go on to Baylor's roster right now, and they maybe have two five star athletes on their on their roster. And that that's my point is that it's different. College football is all about recruiting, and regardless of the sanctions that both schools had, you were still able to get top talent at Penn State. They were still able to get guys like Saquon Barkley. Like, I mean, Trace McSorley is not anything in the NFL, but he was still a highly recruited quarterback coming out of high school. He's like a four-star prospect. They will get Trace McSorley to go there. They were able to get players to come in and go to that school regardless of everything that happened there because it is Penn State. And that that's my point is that, Baylor, when he took over Baylor, I believe they were like Ofer or almost close to Ofer the year before. They had nothing there, and he completely built them up to what he had this year where they lost three games. And technically, they really only lost two. The third game was a bowl game, which counts toward their season but doesn't. It's college football's uh, postseason is kind of weird like that. So for me, what 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 Matt Rule did was more impressive than Bill O'Brien. That's just, again, my opinion. I'm a huge Big Ten football fan, so I've watched Penn State go through this entire thing, and they have never been as competitive as they are now under Coach Franklin. Like, Coach Franklin got him into a playoff. And Penn State is a very good football team right now. Every time Ohio State plays them right now, I am terrified of them. When Bill O'Brien was the coach, I was not scared. I, I just wasn't. They, they were not... He had a bunch of talent and was not able to do anything with it. And that's just my opinion. I'm not trying to say Bill O'Brien's a bad coach because he isn't. He's a very good coach, very good NFL coach in my opinion. So I, I, that's just my – like I, I, I just look at it differently. I, I understand uh, it looks kind of that way if you look at the records on paper, but a lot of the stuff that went on behind the scenes I think was different. So we're eating up a lot of time on this. Let's jump on to uh, the next one. Uh, Joe Judge, the special teams coordinator and uh, wide receivers coach for the New England Patriots, gets the New York Giants job. This one is a lot more controversial than the Matt Rule one because he kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, in my opinion, this is kind of where a lot of uh, this and the, the Marvin Lewis with the Cowboys thing has really kind of sparked a lot of debate on the Rooney rule as well uh, and causing a lot of issues with that. Uh, do either one of you have any opinions on, on Joe Judge and him getting the New York I have a lot of opinions about the Rooney rule and what's gone on this year with the Rooney rule, but that's not what you asked me. If so you want to go for it, for a second. I will, I will listen to it. What, what do you guys no, say no, about no. the Rooney rule? I, I, I don't, I, I could take up the rest of the podcast on what Jerry Jones has done with the Rooney rule and how disrespectful it has been to the process and the, the and the spirit of the Rooney rule. Yeah. I mean, I, I went on a long. I went on twenty minutes about it this afternoon on the Huddle Up podcast, and here's. I guess here's the point. Marvin Lewis got interviewed by Jerry Jones. Yes. With barely having a winning record, with having no wins in the playoffs, zero playoff wins. And 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 Marvin Lewis got interviewed because of the Rooney Rule. That I'm really upset about that right now because there are other teams like New York, the New York Giants, interviewed multiple minority coach, coaches who were very well qualified and who have done a great job. In Dallas, we saw Jerry Jones checked a box and he yeah. checked it with a pencil. He didn't even check it with a pen. I mean, it was like, hey, I'm going to write this one off later. Yeah. So I don't want to get lost in the Rooney rule. And, and now, see, here you've done it. Now I'm so distracted. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> we're talking about Joe Judge. Your thoughts on uh, him uh, coming over and being the Giants coach. Yeah, and that's the problem. Here we go. Now you've trapped me because I'm going to have to say what I said before. I've not been paying enough attention. And, well, I guess Joe Judge is a, was a Patriots coach, a Patriots 
special teams coach that became a wide receivers coach, which is frustrating because the wide receivers were so terrible. Yes. But having said that, I got so distracted by the Rooney rule that I'm just going to pass. Like, come on, can somebody <laughs> help me out here? Can somebody tag me in? Because I need some help. I guess um, for Joe Judge, I, I would say I had never really heard of him, but seeing that he's been the Patriots special teams coordinator since 2005, they've had some incredible uh, special teams work. And I know special teams coordinators uh, often are guys that understand um, the bigger picture of a game better. So like um, Denver, when Gary Kubiak uh, had his stroke and had to miss a couple of games, we had Wade Phillips and I can't even remember who our offensive coordinator, who had both been head coaches at some point, but it was our special teams coordinator that they appointed as the interim head coach because he had a better handle on making those game flow situations and stuff. And, you know, we've had successful Dave McMahon, who uh, has been a special teams coordinator in Kansas City, always seems to be kind of a candidate for, for a head coaching job. We've had um, John Harbaugh, who has obviously done wonderful things in uh, Baltimore. Um, so, you know, maybe a little bit of an out-of-the-box hire, maybe a little bit of a head-scratching hire, but um, it's undeniable that the Patriots' special teams has been incredible and yeah. has been a real difference maker uh, the last few seasons, including this season, where I think they said they led the league in punt blocks. Yep. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty incredible. Uh, I get some of Tony's anger about the Rooney rule, I would say I have a completely different opinion of why Marvin Lewis was hired and not selected in Dallas. Dallas was very clear that they were looking for established NFL head coaches. I think it's a total misread of Marvin Lewis in his career to say he's not qualified. I mean, he was coach of the year a couple of times. What he did in Cincinnati, keeping them competitive and even making the playoffs we've seen in the past is not easy with that ownership situation, which is probably on par with the ownership situation in Washington. And if a lot of the rumors that we touched on on Monday are true, that one of his sticking points was wanting to bring Hugh Jackson with him wherever he went as offensive coordinator, that would be a big reason why if you told Jerry Jones you wanted to also bring in Hugh Jackson, you probably talked yourself out of a job. Let me pause you right there. I agree that bringing up Hugh Jackson was probably that gives, I mean, that's a legitimate reason. Let's just call it what it is. Like that's a legitimate reason to not hire him as a head coach. So I don't think I'm not trying to say that Jerry Jones was discriminatory. That's not the case at all. I, I think that Jerry Jones said he needed a significant push into the playoffs for his man, Jason Garrett, who was a quarter backup quarterback for Jerry Jones in the nineties, the guy that he's groomed, all the way to the top has to have a significant push to the playoffs is what is what Jerry said. Yeah, I don't believe that he would. How can you ever expect Marvin to do that? I mean, that's well, I mean, it's not it's not as a disrespect. I know in the 90s, he was the defensive coordinator for the Ravens and they were the they were the late 90s. That was the best defense in football. So I totally get that. But but he didn't have the parts that 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 the ownership was begging for. I mean, he just didn't have that stuff. So to me, I feel like he would have I feel like the Cowboys would have been better off to interview their own linebackers coach, the one that was interviewed by 
the New but York. Jerry, Jerry Jones was really clear that he wanted a big established name. So those kind of assistant coaches were never going to get a shot. I think you're what you're misreading a little bit is the parameters that Jerry Jones had. There's pretty also pretty good evidence that he reached out to urban Meyer and to a couple of other big names to see if they would even consider interviewing. And when he got rebuffed there, he was looking at established head coach. This is, he was never going to be the one going to get younger people. He probably had narrowed it down. That's why they waited so long to release Garrett. And speaking of Garrett, that's probably the part, if you were really talking about the Giants, that is borderline concerning because they're still talking about him as becoming the offensive coordinator for Joe Judge. And that's a that's a big swing for his first, you know, kind of big coach. And I don't know how great that's going to be for all that young Giants talent. Um, I thought that was a curious decision. My my thing was my my I guess I'm I'm stuck on the barely winning record. It was like 133 to 121. That's close, but I'm not going to promise it. Over 16 seasons, he was just over 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 zero over zero and no playoff wins. I mean, that's what I'm stuck on. And I just don't believe when you say those things, I don't mean to be disrespectful to Marvin Lewis. That's not the case. I don't. There are so many things that I can't understand about football that I can't be disrespectful to Marvin Lewis. Somebody else gave him a position of significant authority. I just don't, I just don't see that being the answer for Dallas. And I don't think that Jerry ever would have believed that could have been the answer for him. That's all I'm saying. That's it. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean it to be disrespectful. No, I, That's all. I, I get what you're saying because I, I kind of lean on your side as well here. I do – I think that he wanted to bring him, and I do think a lot of times that these GMs and owners bring in, like you see the Browns, the Giants, uh, I know for sure, or Browns, I mean, I feel like they're giving anybody who's had OC, DC, HC next to their name an interview, but the Giants interviewed a, a whole bunch of candidates as well. I think part of it is they bring in people to kind of get their opinions as well, because you know they, they sit there and they bring you in, they say, hey, what would you do, what are your opinions on our team? I do, for the most part, think that in a way he did bring in Marvin Lewis to kind of check the box on the Rooney rule. I'm not trying to say that, and just like you said, Tony, I'm not trying to say it in a disrespectful way toward Marvin Lewis, and I'm not trying to say that Jerry Jones was doing it to to be discriminatory in any way, but I honestly think he wanted Mike McCarthy. He knew who he wanted the whole time, and so I'll, I'll I, use— I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, I'm I not going to pretend that there's anything wrong with picking a guy that you want and pursuing him and act, asking him for the job. That's the problem with the Rooney rule. The the only problem with affirmative action is when you want a player or want an owner or want a management or want whatever it is and you know it and you have reason to want it, that's the only problem with it. Everything else about the Rooney rule is is incredible. And I think the Rooney rule is great. I think the Rooney rule is why, why Mike Tomlin has a job and why he's going to the Hall of Fame. But I, I want to put all that aside for just a second, and I just want to put that all in the air. That it's it's just such a fine line. It's hard to talk about. It is. You know what I'm trying to say? 
Because if you're, it seems like, especially with the way society is nowadays, if you're on one side, you say one thing, you're, you're, I hate to say this word, you're racist, or you don't, you're, you're siding with this, and that's not, I don't think what either one of us are saying. I'm with you as well. I think, I think the Rooney Rule needs to be improved because I do think that it's somewhat outdated for the way things are now in the NFL. I think when it was implemented, it was a great thing, and I agree with you. That's why we have Mike Tomlin. You know, that's why we have Brian Flores. It's because of that rule put in place a long time ago. I do think it needs to be changed a little bit. I don't think that it's quite working the way it did back then now. Um I would say what I was going to say about the Cowboys thing was, I, for in my opinion, the Browns did the same thing a couple of years ago when they brought in John Dorsey. I don't know, you know, if you guys remember this, but there was a lot of talk about that uh, that they fired. Um, my goodness, I can't. Sashi Brown and they hired John Dorsey. I believe it was in like two days of firing Sashi Brown, and that's what everybody brought up. Well, what about the Rooney Rule? How did and they? Oh, well, we interviewed this guy over here, and then they just talked about some guy they had in their house for the job who was a minority candidate, and then they gave it to John Dorsey when we all knew that that's who Jimmy Haslam wanted the whole time. And and I'm with you, Tony. I feel like if you know who you want, I think that's exactly what Jerry did. And I don't mean it in a bad way, and I don't think he was trying to be facetious any way about it, but he was like, I have to I have to interview a minority candidate even though I know I want Mike McCarthy. And he's not trying to say it in a bad way. I don't think he was trying to disparage Marvin Lewis at all either. I, I really don't. I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah. Here's my problem. The spirit of the Rooney Rule is to give minority coaches an opportunity for upper management. Yes. And I'm frustrated with Jerry Jones because he didn't interview his defensive ends coach when New York did. That's, I'm very frustrated with that because that's why I have an issue with what Jerry did. Because well, you could check off the box and pencil with Marvin Lewis knowing you're not going to hire him because you want Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Or you could give your boy a hand. You could help him out. Well, the one thing I think on Chris Richard and why he didn't get it is because so because he's an interesting one, right? He was someone that was talked about a lot last year. A lot of people thought he was going to leave Dallas and become a head coach because of how good that record. defense was. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, go ahead. Just for the record, real quick, I called him Chris Richard all day long oh, today, just so everybody fine. knows. Some people but say Richard, some say Richard. It's, it, you know, it's one of those things of how you pronounce it, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I read it. I – um. I think because of how bad that defense was, that was, and again, I just, I think that he want, he knew he wanted Mike McCarthy the whole time. I, I really just think, I, that. I, I don't think there's any other way around it, in my opinion. Listen, with all, all the respect in the world, let's stop talking about it because I yeah. told you I could take the whole. No, no, whole I got you. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I do want to yeah. touch on one thing that Matt said about Marvin Lewis and that uh, he did. Uh, I can't remember where the interview was at. I was trying to find it. He did come out and say that any head coaching job he got, he was going to bring Hugh Jackson on as his offensive coordinator. And I do think that if he was being seriously considered for the Cowboys job, that was a big sticking point because I do know as well that Jerry Jones had come out and said that Kellen Moore was staying on as the offensive coordinator. So that would have obviously clashed with what Jerry Jones wanted, and we all know Jerry gets what Jerry wants, so at the end of the day, it's all going to be about him. So I I do think that played a big part of it as well. But Joe Judge, to finish it up real quick, uh, I am interested. I don't 
I don't know much about him either, obviously. I do think it was a decent hire by the Giants because of something, Matt, you touched on earlier. Uh, a lot of people kind of overlook special teams, especially when it comes to fantasy, but it is a big deal in the NFL. You know, the special teams coordinators look at the entire roster. They're the guys who bring on those guys at the very bottom end to do special team stuff. I mean, that's where Philip Lindsay got his start. I'm just using him because of how big of a fan I am of him. But you can go through the NFL and find tons of guys. Tyreek Hill, uh, actually, in Kansas City, got his start on on special teams and then became the wide receiver we've all seen. So a lot of special teams guys have their fingers wrapped around the entire team. Uh, I can't remember who the coach was before him, but there was a Patriots coach hired a while ago uh, that he got credited as a wide receivers coach beforehand. And he was doing that because wide receiver coaches, uh, they're not just coaching the wide receivers. They have to learn a certain part of the offensive plan. And I think that was part of, from what I heard, another reason why he wanted that job was to learn more about the offensive side of the ball because he wanted to be yeah. a head coach so we'll see well, what happens he was still the special teams yes coordinator yes. is what it said so he never gave that up he took Correct. wide receiver in addition and i think that was part of the mistake when people were rushing to get the news out at first it just came out patriots wide receiver coach and i'm like i've never heard of this guy he took a position on the offense that is below josh mcdaniels when he was considered like a guy that everybody was going after it didn't make sense it makes more sense when you see that he was he's been the special teams coordinator for four years yeah yeah that's that i agree with you i think when that came out uh because he got that I shouldn't say promotion because he got that added on to him this year. A lot of people kind of took it and ran with it and didn't give the full grasp of what he's done for the Patriots. And so I think that's kind of why it looks so bad. Uh, but that, that's all I have on that. So let's let's go ahead and jump right into our playoff challenge that we've got going with you, Matt, here. Kind of give uh, all of our listeners, we, we talked about it last week, obviously. Uh, we gave Tony's team since uh, he wasn't able to join us because I had some issues uh, with my phone last week. Uh, so we did it on Friday, but you gave a rundown of his team. Uh, I gave a rundown of Dennis's team. Kind of give the listeners an idea of where we stand and who we each have left uh, alive on our teams before we jump in and break down the actual NFL games. Yep, so we'll, we'll hit it real quick. Uh, the real bummer for both uh, Tony and Dennis was uh, Carson Wentz. They had both bet on him in one of the quarterback slots. Not only did Philly get eliminated, but the only three yards uh, – really hurt their scores. Um, but the person who is sitting at the bottom after one round is uh, our illustrious host, Matt Bruning, who yeah, has 103.8 points. Uh, you still have Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, which will go this week. Aaron Jones, you bet on Devin Singletary. He got knocked out, but you have Derrick Henry. Stephon Diggs was not great for you week one, but you got a chance this week. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins still alive and George Kittle. Uh, and plus you have your kicker, Jason Myers. And that's actually true for three of the four of us have a, the Seattle kicker. So oh. Tony <laughs> might have been the smart one taking uh, Hollister. Uh, Dennis is actually in third, 109.16 points after uh, one round. He has Lamar Jackson uh, still at quarterback. He has Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, and Dalvin Cook at running back. Uh, Dalvin Cook was huge that first week, so that was pretty big. Uh, he bet on John Brown was okay, but not great. So he lost John Brown and Michael Thomas uh, off his team. So he has one receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. Hard to imagine the Texans win this week, but I guess we'll get to that. He still has both tight end options, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey and Jason Meyer. Uh, Tony is in third right now, 112.62 points. Um, 
he took Hauska from the Bills, which actually ended up being a pretty decent uh, pick because they kicked a lot of field goals. He got 16 points out of his kicker. Uh, pretty exceptional. He still has Lamar Jackson going. Um, he had bet on Kamara at running back. Kamara got eliminated. So he still has Henry and um, Dalvin Cook. He still has all three wide receivers. That could be huge. DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, and Devontae Adams. And then he's got George Kittle and Hollister. His defense special team and kicker is out. And that's actually one of the smarter ways to go to make sure you only have to use them one week. Um, I am sitting in first right now, 127.1 points. Um, I had like a perfect storm combination of good uh, performances, uh, which makes me really nervous. I still have Jackson and Mahomes, uh, Henry and Cook. Singletary was my other running back, eliminated. Michael Thomas is out, but I still have Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins and George Kittle and then Jason Meyer. We eating all day, bro. I'm hitting you every time. Every time you come as well, I'm going to hit you. I'm not going to be able to do that. That's, uh, sounds, uh, man, it's gonna, I hope it comes down to the end. I feel like my team's probably gonna be the worst out of all of them. Uh, but let's jump in and do the, uh, the actual games now. So on Saturday, we've got the, uh, I hate that they both start so late in the day. I mean, I guess it's good because you get to watch the, the games yeah. a little bit later at night, but I love having one of those early morning games in the 12 o'clock window. First one we've got, uh, here is between the Vikings and the 49ers. San Francisco is getting, uh, seven points in this one, 67, 66% chance to win this game. Uh, we'll just go to each of you. We'll, we'll go all, we'll go all the way through. I'll start with you, Tony. Uh, who are you picking to win this game and why? What do you think? they're going to do to end up get, uh, causing them to win if i'm getting seven points i'm going to take the vikings because okay. i think it's going to be a it's either going to be a really low scoring game or a really high scoring game <laughs> and at this point kirk's finally got the monday night or sunday night or whatever primetime jitter he's clutch. out he's of the clutch. system i mean for one time he really did <laughs> and it, did you hear the joke before when somebody asked him about the pressure of going up against New Orleans, and he said, well, it's not a Monday night game, so we should be okay. I love anybody, it. I love it. Just it buy all incredible. into it, baby. It, it was incredible. <laughs> so I expect the Niners to win the game. Anytime I get points like that, I want to take the points. They're, at this point, we're talking about the best teams in the league. I'll take the Vikings with the points or the Niners straight up. Very nice. Okay. What about you, Matt? Yeah, the Vikings did better than uh, I expected um, last week. Obviously, my Super Bowl pick, New Orleans, died yeah. on the vine. <laughs> um, I am, I'm not going to go so far as to say Kirk's Cousins is clutch. In fact, I just had to clear the throw up out of my mouth when you said it. <laughs> hey, I uh, didn't say he's clutch. I did I not know. say that. Matt, I did. Because I love me some Kirky Cousins. He's clutch, man. I spent 20 minutes last week talking about how much Kirk Cousins sucks. <laughs> and as soon as that, as Rudolph came down with that touchdown, I thought I'm going to have to go take some quiet time in the basement <laughs> and reflect on how I'm going to do Monday's podcast. Well, here's what I'll say, Fox. I think that if Kirk Cousins can keep up or beat the Niners, then I'm calling him clutch. But, yeah, but. I mean, if, 
if they end up going all the way to the Super Bowl, I might have to take the Super Bowl off. But uh, I am holding firm. I think the 49ers were tough out. Uh, they have a pretty tremendous defense, especially defensive front. They've had a couple weeks to get healthy. I picked the 49ers 30-20. to 20. Yeah, I'm going uh, 49ers too here. I, I I do think it's going to be somewhat of a close game. I think the 49ers end up pulling away at the end. Uh, but I, I think uh, a lot of people – I'm not trying to say this is what you're doing, Tony. Uh, but a, I think a lot of people are leaning really heavily into the Vikings because of what we saw them do last week in New Orleans. And I think a lot of people are forgetting just how good San Francisco's been all season long. Their, their defense has been outstanding. That front four are just ridiculous. And I do think that they're going to be able to get back there and get to Kirk. And as much as I love me some Captain Kirk, uh, he struggles quite a bit uh, with the whole uh, getting a lot of pressure in his face. He tends to just go down and not throw the ball. I think that could be a big reason why San Francisco ends up winning this one. Uh, my biggest fear on why they wouldn't is Jimmy G. I know he's shown it in a couple big yeah. games so far this year that he can be uh, clutch and be the reason they win it. I think I've got to see it this weekend before I fully buy into Jimmy G being a reason the 49ers can win it. But I'm buying all in on their defense. Well, well here's my only issue with that is in the first half of this sentence, it seemed kind of like, and I'm putting words in your mouth, okay? So correct me, please. But it seemed like you diminished the Vikings. And then you said that Jimmy Garoppolo has a lot to prove and yes. if he doesn't do it. And, 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 and at some point, that's where my—that's where I'm at. That's why I picked the Vikings on this bet is because I'm getting seven. seven oh points. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm going. I'm not. That's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to say that. That's why I said you're. I don't think you're doing that. I don't think you're just buying into the what the Vikings did last week. If it, I'm not going on the points thing. I just give the points because I know some people okay. do that. I'm just picking. I think the 49ers are going to win. Now, I like I said. I, I think, think the they, 49ers will win. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I think, like I said, I think they're going to win it late. Like, I do think it's going to be a close game. I don't know if it it could be a seven-point game. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a three-point game. I, I don't think they're going to blow them out by any means. I just I've think they'll pull away late. 49ers, I've compared them to the characters in Space Jam. The Monstars? Like, or the, yes, the, the Toon Squad? The Monstars. Monstars? Oh, All yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Hey, I, that's what they are. I mean, I agree. Yeah, and that, that, like I said, I'm not, I'm not trying to disparage the Vikings because I like the Vikings. I do. I just... I've seen a lot of people here this week, all of a sudden, they're all like, oh, the Vikings are the best team in the NFC, and everybody slept on them because they beat the Saints. And I'm like, I mean, no, no, no. Nah, I mean everybody's kind of forgetting about how San, how good San Francisco is. I, and I, listen, I'm not, I, I, I don't think they're coming in there and they're blowing the Vikings' door off at any, at any point. I just think the way that defense is going to be able to get after Kirk, I think it's going to be more of a low-scoring game like you mentioned first. I don't think it's going to be a – like we saw with uh, the 49ers and the Saints earlier this year where it was like 41 to whatever it was or something like that. So I think it's going to be yeah. a, a lower-scoring, close game. I'm just picking the 49ers to come out on top. All right, let's see. What is the other? The Titans-Ravens, which I think could actually be a good game as well. Saturday night, Baltimore is uh, getting 10 points in this one. So we'll start with you on this one, Fox, and the 81% chance to win it. Who are you picking to win and why? Well, I think the Titans have been one of the feel-good stories of the NFL this year. I really uh, like what Tannehill has done to resurrect his career. Derrick Henry's been great. Uh, but the Ravens won 12 straight games to close the regular season. They were the best team in the NFL. They have the unquestionable NFL MVP. I'm picking the Ravens, 35-20. Matt? I'm sorry, Matt. You just answered that question. Tony? Uh, 
35-20. See, I like taking the Titans because they're getting the points. Right. So if I'm looking at DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever it is, the current bet, I want the Titans because I think it's going to be a good defensive game. I but agree. this is this it's the same argument I had for the last game, so I don't want to go on too long. The Ravens are far and above the better football team, and I expect them to win. But I do I am concerned that Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown could beat them. Like I, yep, I, I agree. I just I just am legitimately concerned that the Titans are going to end up in the AFC championship. And I'm telling you, I hate that because I'm a, I live in Indianapolis. <laughs> right. So all I'm saying is I agree with your assessment, Matt. I'm afraid of it. That's all. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of this matchup because I, if I'm betting, I'm betting the Titans plus the points. Right. So for me, I am not afraid of this matchup and I'm actually going to go Titans. Um, not because I'm a Browns fan. I, I do think what you, what both of you just said is correct. I do think the Ravens have been probably, if not in the argument, the best team in the NFL so far this season. What Lamar has I don't done, think there's a, I can't, I, there's no doubt in my mind. I think that the best team at, definitely in the AFC ooh, and probably see, in the NFL. I disagree with that. I think the Chiefs are the best team, especially with the way their defense has come on. But we'll get to them in a minute. I, Baltimore is definitely in the discussion. I, if you if you argued them, I couldn't argue back. I'll say it that way. Baltimore is definitely right there in the argument as one of the best teams. They do have the MVP in Lamar Jackson, who has proved pretty much everybody wrong. I know there were a couple people who were on him. I obviously wasn't. I mean, he deserves everything he gets this year. He has been outstanding. One of the best players in the league. One of the most improved players in the league as well from what we saw last year. I'm worried about that defense. They're actually very bad against the run, and I don't see them being able to stop Derrick Henry. I am worried about Mark Ingram. I know he says he's going to play. When you have a non-contact injury like that, most of the time it takes four to six weeks for them to heal. He'll be coming back off three weeks on that. I understand they still have Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards that can run the ball. Mark Ingram is a big part of that team. I think they need him. The other thing that scares me, Tennessee is a bunch of very good linebackers, and I'm not saying any of them are athletic enough to keep up with Lamar Jackson, but if they can do a good job of trying to keep him in check, I think those corners can easily shut down, in my opinion, the worst wide receiver core in the playoffs in Baltimore, because all they have is Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews, and I think that if they're able to run the ball and play keep away like the Browns did and the Chiefs did in the two Ravens losses this year, they are going to give the Ravens a loss. We have seen, I believe it's the past five years, one home team lose in in the, in the divisional round of the playoffs for I believe I believe it's the past six years and I think it's going to be Baltimore this week so I am going to take Tennessee I could be dead wrong on this one uh, like I said Baltimore is definitely going to be the favorite they deserve to be the favorite and I wouldn't be surprised if they blow them out but I'm going Titans I think they actually end up winning a very close low scoring game so you're picking the Titans straight up yes I'm picking the Titans straight up yes go ahead Fox I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off no, I already did mine. Yeah. And uh, no home teams lost in the divisional round last year. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I misread that stat. I apologize. Still, you they're... did. You did. The Patriots and the Chiefs, one and two. Oh, Rams right. and the Saints, one and two. We need to give him more credit. This man knows what the – he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> I just looked it up. I was pretty yeah. sure that that was That's the case, okay. but I just you're, looked it up. You're really good at looking it up. You know what you're talking about. 
All right. Well, I was wrong on that, but still, I'm taking the I'm taking the Ravens to lose. It's not going to make me change my mind. That the, I'm taking the Titans based on the matchup as well. I, I like them this week. Uh, so let's move on to the Sunday games. You got Texans and Chiefs. Chiefs in the first game. Uh, Chiefs are getting ten points in this one and the eighty one percent chance to win this. Uh, Tony, what are your thoughts on this game? Who are you picking to win and why? I think the Chiefs' offense is still underrated, and this is going to be a lot of fun to watch. But the Chiefs are going to win and. I don't, what was the what was the was the uh, was ten there? points? They're getting Chiefs are getting ten. Oh wow! That's way I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. Houston's getting ten. I'm sorry. My bad. I looked at that wrong. No, I understood what you yeah, mean. But that's so, still way too much. Yeah, I understood. Um, wow, that's a lot. I, geez, oh, Pete, I'm going to say the Texans, but the Chiefs are going to win, and they could win by a whole lot. I think the Chiefs are the so. This is good because we, earlier we talked about this. I picked the Raven. I said the Ravens were the best team in the AFC. And you questioned me because of the Chiefs. And here's – I accept the fact that the Chiefs are the most underrated team in the AFC. And, Matt, I'm just going to give this to you. I want you guys to take this one over because this is a high-scoring, fun matchup to watch. I already said that I think the Ravens are the best team in the AFC, so I'm going to leave it at that. And I want you guys to tell me why I'm wrong and, and do that. You know what I mean? Like And fun, and that's all. Go ahead. So this is an interesting matchup. Um, I think both of the Sunday games, I feel like, are going to be a little closer uh, and a little tougher to pick than the Saturday games to me. Houston, you know, I picked them last week. I know, you, Matt, you picked the, the Bills. Uh, I think the Texans aren't a great team, but we have seen the Texans in this season go to Kansas City and win a game when Patrick Mahomes was playing. So that'll give them a little bit of confidence. However, I think Kansas City has gotten better as they've gone through the regular season. They've gotten healthier. Their weapons have gotten healthier. You know, they have Kelsey and Tyree Kill back going good. They've figured out at least enough of a running game to be solid. I think they will win. I think it will be close. Uh, I think it will be 31-27 Chiefs. Yeah, I'm with I'm with both you guys on it being a very close game as well. I'm taking the Chiefs. Um, I think the biggest difference in this uh, this matchup compared to when they played earlier in the season is how much better their defense has been uh, earlier in the season. Uh, their defense was decent against the the pass, but they could not stop anybody on the ground. They have really turned that around. Their secondary is playing good. Uh, that front seven has been really good. So that that is uh, as I mentioned earlier when we were talking about the Ravens being the best team. The reason why I would say the Chiefs are the best team because I think, in my opinion, if I had to pick an offense between Baltimore and Kansas City, I'm taking Kansas City, uh, and I actually think I'm probably taking their defense with as well as they have really turned it around here in the back half. They've they've actually been one of the better defense is in the back half of the season uh so i think that i do think it's going to be a close game mostly because of deshaun watson i I just don't that that guy has for the most part kept them in all their games uh, and i think he's going to do it again in this one as well but the chiefs end up pulling out the victory for Uh, here i want to interrupt you right here because i've wished and washed on this a little bit so for the record for the public record i've put my money on the chiefs to win the super bowl okay i think the ravens are the best team well, I thought, I mean, that just so so that it is, I, I put the bet on the Chiefs. I agree with what you're saying, and I agree with everything you said. I really just think the Ravens are the best team. That's all. Like, no, I just, there's nothing yeah, wrong that's with that. That's all. I mean, yeah. hey, like I said, I, but, yeah, I don't everything think Everything you said is perfect. You nailed it. You just, 
you wrapped Look, it all up in a package. Matt and can't maintain awesome. his fanship if he says the Ravens are the best team. That is not I true. I completely at all, understand. I'm I probably do, risking my fanship by picking the Chiefs. I do see a bunch of Browns fans sitting outside the window waiting for me to say something nice about Baltimore so <laughs> they can storm in watching. here. So, but I, I, I no, I, I like I said, I. You, I could not win an argument. I know I could not win an argument if you were to argue, argue Chiefs and Ravens, but I also don't think the Ravens could either. Like I do think they're so evenly yeah, right, matched. Right. I, I don't think they're. I, I and I don't think I could win the argument either. I think we're yes. That's but yes. Here's yeah. the here, so yeah. here's the thing, Tony, and it all is. I don't remember what team Matt said, uh, but I I said almost the exact same thing a week ago when me and Matt were talking about this. I said I could I could argue either one, Baltimore being the best team or Kansas City. Now I would say Baltimore for the most part because they did have the better record. But me and Matt both picked Kansas City to make to the Super Bowl as well out of the AFC. We actually had the yeah. same matchup, and it being KC Saints. So I mean, we I'm I'm with Which you. Might be bad news yeah. for Kansas City. That is true. They're probably going to lose. Well yeah. that I had the Saints too, so that could be bad. Yeah, we oh, all had the Saints. Sh- this, is, this is a bad luck podcast. <laughs> we we're, we're calling it now, guys. It's been a pleasure, everybody. We thank you for listening. This will be the last episode. I hope everybody enjoys that Titans yeah. Seahawks Super Bowl. Yeah, we exactly. all saw it coming. Yeah, exactly. The Saints got screwed, by the way. They did. I know they, they did. did. We we talked yeah. about that. A, we didn't. talked about that a lot. They did not, by the way. Yes, they did. They don't you say that. Don't you come on here and besmirch the great New Orleans Saints. Can we do it another episode? Let's do it. We, we can. We will do. We'll we'll spend a whole uh, episode once the offseason gets here and everybody stops caring about the playoff games. We'll we'll go on like an hour rant about it. The last uh, we'll give people something to look forward to in March. Yeah, well, exactly. yeah, right. Exactly. Matt, we got one more game. What's it going to be? Seahawks and Packers. Green Bay is giving five points. Uh, who did I start mm-hmm. with last time? Tony. So Matt, who are you picking and why? So Seahawks have been real road warriors. You know, they went seven and one on the road in the regular season. They won last week in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, they have a great quarterback in Wilson, good coach in Pete Carroll. Uh, but that, to me, they're still a wounded team. You know, we have not seen them get much of anything on the ground. With, uh, Marshawn Lynch is probably a bigger name than he is a threat on the field. And I think Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams at home is probably going to be a little too much. Seattle has had a great year. If they could have stayed healthier, I would have loved to see uh, what they could have done. But I think the Packers are going to prevail 27-17. I'm going to take the... Seahawks on this game. Okay. It's a close game. And the Seahawks on DraftKings, they were getting four points. I'll take the Seahawks. I'll take four points. Uh, to me, they're relatively even football teams. Both of them have injury problems. I, I don't think that Marshawn Lynch is just a name. We saw him on the one-yard line. We saw him jump over the pile with one week of practice. There's legitimacy with, Mar- with Marshawn Lynch. I don't know that here's the thing. If Marshawn Lynch was being signed as a free agent in August, we would have a lot of questions about whether or not he could hold up to a full season, but that's not the case. We need Marshawn Lynch for two or three games. Yeah. But I mean, he gave you nine yards on seven carries. I understand. I understand. I understand. And it may not work. It may not be good. I'm a big believer in a system and a process. And I know that the player gains yards after contact. And I know there's a lot of other stuff involved. I believe that the Seahawks have a process in place that will allow any running back that is legitimate, obviously, like I can't, 
we joke like I could be the running back for the Seahawks. I cannot be the running back for the Seahawks. But any legitimate running back can be effective in Seattle. That's what I'm saying. And Marshawn Lynch is a legitimate running back. So I see the Seahawks as just as whole as the Packers are. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know who wins the game, but when I see the Heat, the Seahawks get plus four points. I'll take the Seahawks plus four. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I'm I'm going to take the Packers. Uh, I agree with what you said, Tony. That I think they're almost identical. Uh, I really do think that they're both kind of coming in here a little bit beat up. The one uh, I guess advantage I'll give to the Packers is the weakness. Uh, on their defense is that uh, that front seven, they are not very good at stopping the run, and I don't think Travis Homer or Marshawn Lynch are going to be able to do much against them. Uh, you know, I know everybody fell in love with DK for what he did last week, but don't overlook these Green Bay corners. They are really good. Uh, I really think that Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to come in here with Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and, and pull off a victory at home. They don't lose very often there in Lambeau Field. I, I, I know that Seattle's got a decent defense, but they're Secondary isn't what the Packers is, and DK Metcalf is not what Adams is. I, I'm just being honest. And so I do think that Aaron Rodgers, I think Russell Wilson is going to do a lot to keep him in this game because he is a stud. Uh, but I think Rodgers is going to get that magical moment at the end to get them a win uh, and end up going up, at least for me, San Fran. Well, I think all of us had San Francisco. So winner will be going up against San Francisco next week for our opinions. Before we close it out real quick, I, I want to jump back on the Joe Judge thing. Uh, Matt, you brought up how he probably is not starting off his tenure very well with bringing in Jason Garrett to be his offensive coordinator. I just saw a report that he's also bringing in Freddie Kitchens to interview for his offensive staff. So that's the New York <laughs> Giants uh, team hey, right you know now. What? No, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. I think that Freddie Kitchens, that would be the best case scenario. So be I best case scenario. don't disagree with you for the most part. I I no, hope... no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. When Freddie Kitchens worked with Baker Mayfield as an offensive coordinator, Baker Mayfield thrived. Yes, And so correct, did Freddie yes. Kitchens. I agree. So did the whole offense. I mean, listen, it sounds crazy. It sounds nuts. But I believe that Freddie Kitchens is, is an offensive coordinator. I agree with you. I, I don't Fox think it's a bad move. over here. Are you <laughs> dying? Are you alive? <laughs> this is <laughs> This is so crazy because That's the all Matt had to hold on to with how the Browns are going is that he still has Saquon Barkley shares, and now uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> that's not that's not making me feel great. Um, no, the one thing I will say is is. I, I said it when when when, it, when the news came out that he got fired. I, I believe it was you and me on here, Matt, on that Monday podcast because yeah. he got fired that Sunday night. I like Freddie. I do hope he bounces back. I do agree with you, Tony. I think if he doesn't have everything else that he had to deal with as a head coach, if he can get back to what he did when he was just the offensive coordinator or the play yeah. caller for the Browns, he could be good for them. It does make me worry about my Saquon Barkley shares a little bit. I'm not going to lie. And I'm just saying – Name value-wise, if you're a Giants fan and you look out there in the paper and it's, hey, we're talking to Jason Garrett and Freddie Kitchens as our offensive coordinators, those are probably the least two appealing options at the moment. I'm not saying either one of them won't be good. I'm just saying if you're a Giants fan, you're probably looking at it and I'm like, really great. That's just awesome. I love my life. Well, they're just the, – the real thing for the Giants, if we're being serious, they have some incredibly – some incredible potential in their offensive yes. pieces. I actually thought Daniel Jones was one of the more pleasant surprises last year, but he's a very different kind of quarterback uh, than Mayfield. And both Garrett 
and Kitchens a knock you would give to them from last year is that they had an incredible running back who was incredibly effective who they forgot to give the ball to. Yeah. Well, and if I was a Giants fan thinking last year we forgot to give the ball to Saquon Barkley and I see these are the guys I'm hiring, I probably just sold my season tickets on eBay. Well, I, I don't think that Freddie Kitchens is a bad coach. I think he's a bad head coach. I agree with you. I, no, no, I agree with That's you. That's all. I agree with I, you. I don't think he should yeah, be a head coach ever possible. again. I don't think he should ever get another opportunity to be a head coach, honestly. Like, it would take enormous – it would take like 10 years of development for that to make Look, sense this to was me. Dave Gettleman's secret plan. He traded <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. for a safety, yeah. a few draft picks, and the Browns head coach. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. get it. No, I'm, I'm with you. Like I said, in the name, master plan, in, I get it. In, in name it. value, it doesn't look good. But I, like I said, I agree with you. He he was good at that, and I do hope that he is able to go back and, and recapture recapture that magic. Because I, I I wish the best for Freddie. I have no ill will toward him at all for what happened this year. I just think it was bad. I will say that makes more sense to me than trying to go get Jason Garrett. I agree. I agree because well, I right. think That's what in I'm Kitchens one year he showed more than than Garrett has. So, so I agree with you. I guess I missed your question. Were they looking at? Were they possibly interviewing Freddie Kitchens for offensive coordinator? Or it just as an said offensive an offensive coach to work position. for Jason Garrett. Uh, it just said an offensive position. It said he is oh. interviewing him for an offensive position on the coaching staff. That's all I read. It didn't say specifically what. So because I was just looking at the Giants page, they haven't actually hired Jason Garrett, right? No, not yet. Maybe they can't until his contract expires. Yeah, I would next think week. so. That's that's the one way I think Dallas is really fucking this up. They're really screwing Jason Garrett on this, in my opinion. But I think honestly, Jerry Jones is the kind Giants of wanting are to do totally, that. totally screwing Jason Garrett on this, and by accident. But that's a different conversation. Yeah. The Cowboys. Yeah, the Cowboys. No, I think I think Jerry Jones I'm is sorry. doing. I think he's yeah. doing it on purpose. If I'm being honest, he could release him. He has a head coach in place. Yeah. you can let him. He's go released. He's no. released. He can sign anywhere. He no. can't. No. He can't no, until his contract's January up because they 14th. haven't. Yeah, they haven't fired him. Okay. They just said they're not bringing him back. They haven't actually. That's fired why him. the Giants asked for permission to yeah. interview Jason Garrett. As weird as it sounds, since the Cowboys have hired another head coach, they still have Jason Garrett under contract till January 14th. And while they've announced he won't be their head coach moving forward, they have not released him from his contract. I see. That's yeah. relevant. That's very relevant. I did not. I know don't that. know. I, we thought originally maybe Jerry was trying to be nice and save him the stigma of being fired. And also, it can't be that much of a monetary blow for you to release a guy four days ahead of his contract. Now. It's not like he has years left. So now it's just weird. It is. Yeah, yeah. it is weird. It's weird. All right, guys, I appreciate you uh, joining me today, getting the group back together. It has been fun talking about this. I'm looking forward to the uh, Rooney Rule and Saints Getting Screwed podcast we're going to have here in the offseason where we're all just <laughs> yelling at each other. Uh, I feel like that's going to be a good one. So you guys have a, a – I bo- hope both of you have a good weekend. Enjoy the football games, and I look forward to talking to you guys next week. Happy football, Sounds good. guys. Happy football. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama. Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama.
and the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years, their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro! And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards. All right, so we've got an epic national championship football game uh, for you on Monday night. I kind of hate that it's it's on Monday night, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. We've got a great game. I, I think my Buckeyes should be in it, but uh, Clemson ended up beating them. Obviously, you had the, the route of LSU over Oklahoma. I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, you know, you've got two of the – everyone's talking about probably the, the two uh, next two years first round uh, over number one overall picks and Joe Burrow this year and Trevor Lawrence next year in 2021, though I think Fields could end up being better and that's not my Ohio State bias uh, talking that's just my analysis of the two players Uh, but Trevor Lawrence likely will still end up being the one one next year so you got two great quarterbacks two great offenses you know on Clemson's side not just do you have uh, Trevor Lawrence but you've got two guys coming out this year and T Higgins and Travis Etienne at running back uh, Higgins wide receiver you have also got a really good uh, wide receiver as well that he won't be able to come out until next year uh, for the uh, Clemson Tigers and uh, Justin Ross, who, who might, in all honesty, be better. And that's kind of the same thing with the uh, wide receiver core on LSU's side as well. you got Justin Jefferson, who is definitely coming out this year and looks, in my opinion, to be a top five at worst six prospect at wide receiver. And he's also got Jamar Chase opposite of him, who will be coming out next year. you got Clyde's Edward Hilaire at running back, who has really jumped up uh, people's prospects boards here, especially after the back half of the season he's had. It's been phenomenal. He's up in top five for some, six, seven. He's definitely the top ten for most. Looks like he's going to be a really good running back. And both these defense have a lot of players on there. Uh, you know, in my opinion, the best player on Clemson's side, Isaiah Simmons, who's coming out this year. And then on LSU's side, uh, uh, Sting- Derek Stingley Jr., he's actually a freshman cornerback and is probably the best defensive player on their team at the moment. So I'm really interested in and just to stick with him on who he'll match up with on the other side, whether it's going to be uh if it's gonna be Ross or Higgins. We saw Higgins get a little bit banged up in that game against Ohio State, came back was fine. Same with Ross, he got banged up at times. So I, I really think it's not going to be necessarily an offensive game. I think it's going to be a, a decent game. Well, I see I think it's unfair to say it's gonna go one way or the other. It's either gonna be a low scoring game or a high scoring game. Obviously, Matt, that's kind of the only way it can go. Uh, I do expect it to be more of like a 31-27 game. I 
I think LSU is going to pull off the victory just because I think uh, their offense is going to be just a little bit better against that Clemson defense than vice versa. I I do think... uh, could be wrong on this Trevor Lawrence he really uh has not had a, necessarily a down season it's kind of hard to live up to the season he had as a a, a uh, true freshman uh but not as good a year as obviously he had that year's really been good this back half but uh struggled a little bit there against Ohio State obviously had a really good defense their defense probably better than both of these teams playing uh so I wouldn't put LSU's right there with Ohio State so they're definitely a step below it uh, but probably one of the better defenses that Clemson is going to have to have face this so far this year uh and I just like Joe Burrow I, I like the way that his mind works and, and Joe Brady on that uh, the offensive call there for LSU. I think they're going to game plan and scheme very well for this Clemson defense. They're going to be very good at making adjustments. They've done it all season long. So is Dabo, uh, definitely. And, and so is, I cannot think of his name right now. It is driving me crazy. Uh, Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator, there we go, for Clemson. He He's obviously really good at making adjustments as well. And I think that's where it's going to come down to, just like it did in the second half of the Ohio State-Clemson game. Who makes the better adjustments? It was definitely Clemson. You know, Ohio State made adjustments, but it just wasn't as good as what that defense did. Uh, so I really think it's what that's what's going to come down to is that second half. I'm going to take LSU, though, to end up pulling it off and Joe Burrow capping off his Heisman season with a national championship. Thank you guys so much for listening to uh, the podcast today. We really appreciate it. If you guys have time, give us a, give us a rate and review. Uh, we, we really appreciate it. Reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, to all of us, we'd be more than happy to help you guys with any of your fantasy stuff questions, lineups, anything you guys got, trades, where we're moving into the best part of Dynasty in the offseason where you can make all kinds of trades. So just let us know. We, we'd love to hear from you guys if you need any help. And like I said, if you guys have time, rate and review if you can. We really appreciate it. Other than that, enjoy the great weekend of football we have ahead of us. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your pop on ready. Do you got your pop on ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone! Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play?